written since he has been here. Um, from his time and energy that he has put out at the camp to here at the church. Um, he is one of those men that when, when he sees something he's done and he has the knowledge and the skill to do it, he does it. And uh, Roger, listen, I appreciate that. Thank you so much for your service. And I am so glad the Lord has you here at our church. Let's go ahead and sing happy birthday to him. We will go to, into 1 Samuel 22 this evening. Uh, next week we'll go into Romans chapter 4, so I will save that one. And I don't want to be too long tonight. I would imagine it's still snowing. Is that right? still snowing out there right now. So I don't, I don't want to be too long. I do appreciate those who did drive in. and I know the roads are, are getting worse. And tonight's supposed to be just a weird, weird mix. I was listening to them trying to describe it on the radio. It's supposed to... It's like after midnight, it's supposed to warm up to 43 degrees. 43 degrees is supposed to warm up to with rain. And then drop back down to 27 degrees, if I understood it right. Freezing all that rain on top of the snow that's falling right now. At which, at which point you do have a skating rink right then and there. And then I think warm back up to 37 degrees. So, crazy stuff. All right, first... 1 Samuel chapter 22 here this evening, and I'm going to start there in verse number, verse number 6. Um, let, me, let me read through this quickly. I'm going to read pretty fast. There are several verses here. I might jump a little bit just for time's sake. It says, When Saul heard that David was discovered and the men that were with him, now Saul abode in Gibeah under a tree in Ramah, having his spear in his hand, and all his servants were standing about him. So there's your image. All right. The spear's in his hand. Then Saul said unto his servants that stood about him, Here now, ye Benjamites, will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards and make you all captains of thousands and captains of hundreds? That all of you have, cons that all of you have conspired against me, and there is none that showeth me that my son hath made a league with the son of Jesse, and there is none of you that is sorry for me, or showeth unto me that my son has stirred up my servant against me to lie in wait uh, um, as at this day. Boy, is his perception wrong. Then answered Doeg, the Edomite, which was set over the servants of Saul, and said, I saw the son of Jesse coming to Nob to Ahimelech, the son of Ahitab, and he inquired of the Lord for him and gave him victuals and gave him the sword of Goliath the Philistine. Now, he, he's telling the truth in verse 10, but he's also lying. He's not telling the entire truth. Then the king sent to call Ahimelech and the priest, the son of Ahitab, and all his father's house, the priests that were in Nob, and they came all of them to the king. And Saul said, Hear now, thou sons of Ahitab. And he answered, Here I am, my lord. And Saul said unto him, Why have you conspired against me? Um, Thou and the son of Jesse, and that thou hast given him bread and a sword, and hast inquired of God for him, that he should rise against me to lie in wait as at this day. 
Then Halimelech answered the king and said, Who is so faithful of all thy servants as David, which is the king's son-in-law, and goeth at thy bidding and is honorable in thine house? Did I then begin to inquire of God for him? Be it far from me. Let not the king impute anything unto a servant, nor all to the house of my father. For thy servant knew nothing of all this lesser more, which is all true. The king said, Thou shalt surely die, Ahimelech, thou and all, and thy father's house. And the king said unto the footmen that stood about, And turn, and slay the priest of the Lord, because their hand also was with David, because they knew when he fled, and did not show it unto, show it unto me. But the servants of the king would not put forth their hand to fall upon the priest of the, priest of the Lord. Boy, there's a really good verse we can make some principles when government wants you to go against God. And the king said to Doeg, Turn thou and fall upon the priest. And Doeg the Edomite turned, and he fell upon the priest and slew on that day fourscore and five persons that did wear a linen ephod. And Nob, the city of the priest, smote he with the edge of the sword, both men and women, children and sucklings and oxen and asses and sheep with the edge of the sword. He went on a tear. And one of the sons of Ahim, uh, excuse me, Ahim, I can't even say his name again, Ahimelech, the son of Ahatub named Abathar, escaped and fled after David. And Abathar showed David that Saul had slain the Lord's priest. David said unto Abathar, I knew it that day when Doeg the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul, I have occasioned the death of all the persons of thy father's house. Abide thou with me, fear not, for he that seeketh my life seeketh thy life, but with me thou shalt be in safeguard. Let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we certainly do. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your word. Father, I ask for your blessing tonight, your mercy, your grace, your help. Help me stay true to your word. I pray that your word would strengthen us and help us this week. Lord, please feed us. And uh, I use this to draw us closer to you. Lord, I pray and ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Again, so here, again, we have King Saul, who is in his rage and is really losing his mind. And gave us the image. He's there with a spear in his hand, servants around him. And he starts to mock the servants. And then he challenges them and tells them how they're all against him. None of them feel sorry for him. He, his eyes are on self. He has nothing but self-pity. He's viewing everything wrong. And he has a spear in his hand. And he's losing his mind. <clears throat> and the, there was somebody else present, though, who saw an opportunity. He was very ambitious. It was Doeg. Hey, I, I, I saw David. I know where David was. And that priest, that priest over Nop, he gave him a sword, bread. And now, he didn't tell the whole truth. And by the way, he knew the whole truth. He knew that David had actually lied to the priest about what was going on. And David told him, remember, David said, I'm on a secret mission of the king. There's no reason for the priest to question that. After all, just like, just like the priest told King Saul, this is your son-in-law. I, I don't know anything more or less. I haven't done anything wrong. But anyhow, that takes place. So King Saul sends for the priest to come to him. And, and of course, like I just said, that, that gets rehearsed on the King Saul. But again, King Saul's losing his mind. He can't think straight. He, he can't. He, he's, he's, he is, he's in a horrible place. And he makes 
just this decision to go ahead and kill all the priests. They're against me. Not a one of them is against Saul. Not a one of them. And of course, his own men say, we're not touching them. We will not kill the priests of the Lord. We're not about to do that. But there was a man there who wasn't Jewish, an Edomite, Doag. He, he would fit well with Hamas today, wouldn't he? With what, the terror that he went on. Again, opportunity presented itself. Saul brings him up. He says, I'll do it. He doesn't hesitate. He kills them all. Then he heads into that town. He doesn't spare anybody. He didn't care who you were. He didn't care how old you were. He didn't care if you're an infant, if you're a two-year-old, if you're a five-year-old. He didn't care who you were. He was taking your life. Because in his mind, he saw this as an opportunity. As we know, one of the sons of the priest had escaped and went to David. And, and you could just imagine how crushed he was. The Bible doesn't give us that emotion, but you could just imagine. His cousins, his brothers, his sister, his family, they're dead. They've all been taken out. He goes to David, and David hears it, and David confesses. Ah, I saw Doeg. And he, and he confesses right to him. The death of your family is on me. This is on me. I want to try and give us some lessons from this text tonight to try and be a help to us. You see, sin many, many times can take you to a place you don't even realize. Sin can get in your mind and, 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 and allow you to see things that aren't there. You can also see the dangers here of ambition. Selfishness. We're going to look tonight at King Saul and his jealousy. We're going to look at Doag and his, his selfishness, his ambition. And then King David and his confession. So first off, King Saul. King Saul, in his life by this time in 1 Samuel chapter 22, is a great example how sin in your life can start off small and snowball and get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. How it starts off with something that you think is manageable. That somehow you think you can control this, yet you know it's a measure of disobedience. That's how it all started in Saul's life. I mean, we can look back in Saul's life at different events where he was offering a sacrifice when he had no business doing that. And again, that was one of the occasions he really justified in his mind, I'm really trying to serve God. This needed to be done, uh, uh, so somebody needed to step up. There wasn't any call, so I did it. No, it wasn't right. Or, of course, when he was to destroy all the enemy. That was the command that was given, but he saved the best. Pure disobedience before the Lord. And, and by the way, remember, each of those, he justified in his mind that he is doing right before God. His sin was snowballing. Now we get to this point. Look how far he's come. Look where his mind is. He's there with his own servant, sword in his hand. 
I guarantee you, every single one of those men right there at that moment, when he goes into his rage, is afraid for his life. They all know he's not stable. They know the guy's off his rocker right now, and he has a spirit. You're all against me. None of you are sorry for me. They hear him order the death of the priest. Jealousy controlling, bitterness controlling, rage now in control. There's nothing obviously of God in this. It, 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 before, there was nothing of God in it before, but it wasn't as obvious. He had, a, he, had enough, he had enough mixture, if you will, where he was justifying his actions in his mind. This is where sin can take you. We certainly learn from Saul that if sin is not dealt, dealt with, it gets worse and worse. You're on that really slippery, slippery slope. It's kind of like, I live over, of course, off of O'Malley. I think everybody's aware of that. But in the wintertime, and we had that first icy day. Was that, that was a week ago, right? Was that a week ago we had that? The very first icy day, like a dummy. Now, I got my winter tires on already. I did that several weeks ago. But I popped out onto O'Malley, and I am doing 50-55 down O'Malley, not even thinking, you know what? It snowed last night. Look at all the snow. I should probably slow up a little bit. Because every year when you get down to Lake Otis, that's a nightmare right there. That is all winter long. They don't do anything with it. That is just pure ice coming into that intersection. And I am flying, doing like it's 80 degrees outside, down O'Malley at the time. And then I go to hit my brakes. Mm-mm. Oh, no. I'm like, oh, what am I doing? And, but the Lord was really good. Because right as I'm sliding, the light changed to green. I'm like, oh, yes. <laughs> right on through I went at that time. I was really glad about that. But sin's like that. You think you have it in control. You don't even realize what you're doing. And then you try to hit the brakes. You're gone. You can't play with it. By the way, we also see another lesson here with Saul. When you choose to set on the wrong path, the devil will have people there to help you. He'll have people there to help you. He'll have somebody there that will help you when you want to go the opposite way of the Lord. And even though there's those there, all the servants there, I have no doubt, even though we don't have it recorded, that some of the servants were saying, listen, you can't do this. What are you doing? But he had one that was more than willing to help him on his path. Be so careful who you have around you. You want people around you that you confide in, that you trust in, that want to direct you towards the Lord. I promise the devil will have people in place to assist you and help you justify your decisions on turning away from God. King Saul, with his jealousy, his madness, his bitterness, all work took him. And yet the truth is, he truly did not have a more loyal servant than David. He didn't. 
I mean, the best one in his service was David, the very man he's trying to kill. Let's go on the Doeg. What do we see in his life? Doeg's sin is different than uh, King Saul. Doeg is a man that is driven by ambition. Ambition is a dangerous, dangerous emotion. You know, sometimes, sometimes even in our circles, we like to praise ambition. But listen, here's the danger usually of ambition. I have no, I have no, and I hope everyone has, has a strong desire to be used of God for God. That's all great. But ambition is more self-centered. Ambition is something about you. And Doeg, he was basically just in charge of servants. He's an Edomite. He's not really in any rank structure yet here. And he sees an opportunity. He's ambitious. Boy, when he saw that opportunity, he took it. It was no regard for righteousness. It was all, he, was a, he was an evil, wicked man. Lying, murderous. And what he told Saul was true, like I said when I read the text. But what he didn't tell Saul was what he should have told him. But listen, the, the priest is not at fault. David lied to him. David said that you sent him. David never told him he's hiding from you. Can you help me? Which is how he presented it. He saw opportunity for advancement. He was more worried about self-promotion than he was truth. Listen, we might not be to the extent of Doeg, but you better look out when you're more worried about self-promotion over everything else. And there are those who use their speech to tear down others to make themselves look good, which is exactly what Doeg did. You want to know David's response to him? Look at Psalm 52. This is David's response to him. He uses some sarcasm here, by the way. He's going to call him a mighty man. That is pure sarcasm. Psalm 52, why boastest thou thyself in mischief, O mighty man? The goodness of God endureth continually. Thy tongue deviseth mischief like a sharp razor, working deceitfully. Thou lovest evil more than good, and lying rather than speak righteousness. Thou lovest all devouring words, O thou deceitful tongue. God shall likewise destroy thee forever. He shall take thee away and pluck thee out of the dwelling place and root thee out of the land of the living. The righteous also shall see and fear him and shall laugh at him. Lo, this is the man that made not God his strength, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and strengthened himself in his wickedness. But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. I praise thee forever because thou hast done it. And I will wait on thy name for it is good before thy saints. He mocks him, calling him a mighty man. He's not being serious there. He's being sarcastic. And he makes a great point. Don't miss it. How God's goodness endureth. 
Yes, you meant wickedness. You meant your vileness. But I know what will prevail. And by, to my knowledge, I, I really need to verify this because I did not before this message. This, this really came about very late in the day after I'd finished uh, Romans chapter 4 message. Realized we might not have a lot tonight. But I'm almost certain his name's not mentioned again. I might be wrong on that. That is done. That we don't see him again. Name is gone. Nothing else of him. David knew God will destroy you. What you are facing is going to be the wrath and the judgment of the Creator Himself for what you've done. Do I have ambition? More worried about self, his own life, his selfishness took over, his own ambition, not thinking of eternally, not thinking of, 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 of the God uh, um, who is there. Let them down a wrong path to make horrible decisions. So many times you're faced at decisions in life that, listen, you better be in a place where it isn't selfishness and ambition that take over. But it's simply a desire for God. Then lastly, let's look at David. As we read, when David hears, he confesses to him, this is on me. I am the man responsible. He took responsibility. Hmm. Confessed his sin. David, David, there's no doubt, David never imagined what his actions would lead to. Many times we don't. We don't see the consequences of our actions. We don't realize what could take place because of them. He had an idea, as he admitted, that evil could come because Doeg was there. He knew he had a place with the servants of King Saul. And so something grabbed his attention at that moment. But he set it aside, not thinking it through of what could take place. How often is that true in our life when we're getting ready to do wickedness? We try and keep our mind just focused on what we want, not the repercussions. We try and limit it because we want to do what we want to do. I mean, there's other actions. Had he thought it through, obviously he could have just simply... Tried to tell the truth and trust in God in that moment. He could have went after Doag and said, you're not going anywhere. You're coming with us right now. I don't trust you. Obviously he didn't because something grabbed his attention when he saw him. David is seeing this. His sin affects others, not just himself. There was consequences he never thought of. He had no idea when he determined to lie to the priest what would take place. Your sin always affects more than just you. Saul, of course, grabs the priest's son and says, Listen, the same man trying to kill you is trying to kill me. You just stay with me. I can keep you safe. 
I'm going to safeguard you. There isn't an enemy out there. He's trying to destroy us both, but I can keep you safe. There are precautions that we all need to take because there's a very real enemy who is trying to destroy us. He will use what he can to do just that. He will use whatever he can to put things in place to be as destructive as he can. He can set you up for the evil day. Second Corinthians chapter 11 verse 14 warns us how the devil can appear as an angel of light. That means, means several different things for it. Let me just cover some. One, you have a hard time seeing your sin. You can be convinced it's okay like Saul was. Saul, even to the point earlier this time where he actually believed his sin was good. Completely blind to it. When the Lord does convict, respond. Don't dismiss it and justify it. That's what Saul did. Don't dismiss it and justify it. Don't say, no, I'm writing this because of this. See, the devil uses the angel of light when he knows that there's at least a portion of the person that wants to do right. Okay? That's where the angel of light comes in most effect. Can be most effective. Those who have a, a, a measure about them that want to do, uh, that, there, that there's a, a morality that is given by God that they want to do at least somewhat right. So he has to come as an angel of light to get them to justify Sinful actions. Other times he's a roaring lion. And there's a couple different ways we can think about that. Is one, obviously he wants to devour. Cunning, prowl, watching, waiting waiting for those showing weakness to pounce, to devour, to destroy. Lions can also produce a measure of fear. Sometimes the devil uses fear to keep you from serving God. And make no mistake, the devil wants to do more than just trip you up. He wants to destroy you. Don't forget, he's also, as we see in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1, more subtle than any beast of the field. He knows what he's doing.
He has so many different ways to tempt you. So many different ways to set you on a wrong course. So many different ways to put you on a wrong path. Even, even especially look out according to Ephesians chapter 6, again, as I said, to watch out for the evil day. You know, even as pastor of this church, I've got to watch out for those type of days. Where he's trying to set something major up for the church. Not just small things. Something major. That's why I'm thankful I got the Lord on my side. Of course, James chapter 4 and verse 7 lets us know that our key in the spiritual battle we have is our submission to God. Make sure your life is about Him. That you're submitted to Him. Don't make it about you. Make sure that what, you, what your goal is, whether you're, whether you're in the military, whether you're a, a, a businessman, whether you're a mom, whether you're a dad, make sure... That simply what you want to do is simply glorify God. To be submitted unto Him. Because our submission is key. Our submission to God is key in this battle. And then with that submission comes with it the necessity, which I believe will come in place. I believe some of these things just flow. I do. And that is we have to be sober and be vigilant. Don't bury your head in the sand when it comes to your own personal life. Understand, things could be setting you up. Look for it. Be sober, be vigilant. First Peter 5, 9 tells us to resist the devil steadfast in the faith. In other words, the resistance is steadfast in the faith. We certainly need God for this battle. <clears throat> Let me just... I'm, I'm just going to give these... Uh, uh, just. Three more out, and we're going to go ahead and close. Don't lose sight of the armor of God. I will be doing uh, probably a Sunday night series on it. I did a men of faith uh, last year sometime on the armor of God. I will be doing that probably on a Sunday. I might even do that on a Sunday morning series for a few weeks on the armor of God. Uh, we, we, we need it. Ephesians 4. Let me give you this as well. This is 26 and 27. Don't give place to the devil. Now, you would not openly give place to the devil. Well, this chair of my house, this is for Satan himself. We'd like him to sit here. This is his place. That's not what the Bible is referring to. This is where being sober, being vigilant comes about, where you use some wisdom. Is there something in my life, a measure of disobedience, a measure of something I, I, I am uh, of rebellion. A measure I'm, I, is there something there where I am cultivating or given the opportunity for the devil to work even greater in my life? That's giving place. 
Lastly, don't be ignorant of his devices. Don't be ignorant of his devices, which is what I'm trying to do now, is trying to educate you on it. Look how far King Saul went. With heads bowed and eyes closed. Let me ask this question quickly. Is there anyone here say, Pastor, listen, I'm not certain that I'm truly converted. I do need you to pray for me, Pastor. It's been bothering me this week. Um, Please pray. I am not certain that I am converted. I don't know that I am saved. Please, I need you to pray for me. Is there anyone here like that? Would you just raise your hand where I could see it? All right, Christian. If the Lord spoke to your heart tonight, why don't you come and pray? Father in heaven, bless his invitation, Lord. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Page 174, 174. If you need to come and pray, you come and pray.